if you've got a dream and a vision and you want to realize it, spend some time working on your value proposition and your business model. Um, when I first started the Architect Club, I put up some flip charts in my kitchen and I sat with a friend and we went through and we built the value proposition canvas. It really gets you thinking about what's going on front stage and therefore what is the service you're positioning and how are you going to keep it going backstage? And that was really fundamental for me because then I had crystallized my vision. My vision was to, first of all, create a home for Salesforce architects, create a touchstone for Salesforce partners, because I decided straight away that I didn't want to compete with other Salesforce partners. I wanted to help other Salesforce partners. So that collaboration piece was, was, was really important to shape that out. I wanted it to go beyond doing white label and subcontract work. I wanted it to go as, let's do this together. I will help you scope this project. I will help you scope a whole roadmap um, with several projects so that you you can forecast your business's revenue for the next year. You know, I will help you bring your service to market. What's happening, gang? This is your host, Ankit, and you're listening to the Forcepreneur Podcast. On this show, I talk to founders of profitable Salesforce companies and try to get a sense of what it is to be an entrepreneur in Salesforce Cosmos. How did it all start? And how was the journey until now? How do they make decisions both in their professional and personal life? Our goal here is to learn from their examples so that the rest of us can go on and build our own profitable Salesforce business. Now, I know I have said this before, but my guest today literally needs no introduction. She's a force of nature and the one who's most vocal about the number of female architects in the ecosystem. This is why she started Ladies Be Architect. I also want to mention the free admin course that she offered during the beginning of pandemic. So kudos to you for that. She's a 17-time Salesforce certified Salesforce professional and a Salesforce MVP. But the reason why she's here today is because of her startup, The Architect Club. If you follow my podcast, you know my stand on starting a new Salesforce consulting shop. Please don't do it. There's enough already. But she's doing something radically different. And this is what we will discuss today. So without any further wait, let's welcome the CEO of Architect Club. Hello, Gemma. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ankit. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is all ours. So... Firstly, do you remember where we met or where did we cross paths? Oh, what a question. You really put me on the stump there, didn't you? <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many people in the ecosystem that we, we interact on a daily basis. So now you're asking me, I think um, I think we've met at Dreamforce, haven't we? And this is the part where you tell me I'm completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, we met in the City of Love. We met at Paris uh, in uh, Paris streaming, no, how is it called? French touch streaming. JMM. French touch streaming. Yeah. yeah. No, I remember that yeah, now. Remember. Sorry, Anke. <laughs> no, easy, easy, easy. So, so you have been in the Salesforce ecosystem for quite some long, and I want to focus more on the deeper topics or the uncovered topics of the ecosystem. So, if I summarize all what you said, basically, you offer architect as a service. Now, I can say that this is a very niche and a very clever idea, and I just give you. Uh, example why so for my current client right now they bought salesforce like it's a smb it's a german smb they bought salesforce they bought 1600 licenses they had one implementation partner two implementation partner three implementation partner and they burned their hands with all three of them then salesforce csg stepped in and basically then csg contact like the customer success group and they contacted me and now i'm working as an architect for them and now they have a little bit of faith, but they had almost lost all faith in Salesforce. And that's why Salesforce CSG had to step in because like they had two implementation partners and they did literally nothing, you know, without going into further details. So Architect Club basically offers architects as a service. Like you're not doing the consulting job. You offer someone who's an architect who will come into, as you say, you parachute in prop perhaps before the project, but you send someone as as like a subject matter expert, you know, if you may call them. And then they kind of, so the implementation is being done by some other partner and then you just, you folks just go over there and guide the process. Is that what you offer? Sometimes. So we offer 
two different objectives. One is for the customer to actually own Salesforce for themselves. So as an architect, we can go in and actually show them the way and give them advice on how to how to select talent from the market, which is flooded with talent, um, and how to actually make it match what they want to achieve. But the other side is, is yes, we sometimes work alongside um, other partners as well, not to check their work, but to actually collaborate and act as a concierge supporting the customer and supporting and enabling that partner and we see that as really important because we've got 4.2 million new developers and admins about to join the market i think it's more now that salesforce is looking to bring in and it's our responsibility as delivery leaders to make sure that those 4.2 million admins and developers don't become 4.2 million shit architects in 10 years time so that's really important to us we we think the best way that that can happen is to provide support, on-the-job support, coaching, helping um, admins and developers to select the right solution for the customer's situation and to make it optimal. So tell me, how has the business been so far? I mean, I remember you started it in 2019 and then the pandemic just hit, like uh, LinkedIn says, you started in October 19. And then, you know, I was supposed to start my company in March. I remember the date, 18th March 2020 was London's calling. And that's when I was supposed to launch Skillproof and then COVID happened. So, um, and I remember uh, one time you tweeted out, I hope you don't mind me sharing, you're like, I'm out of work and I'm feeling a little scared. I also appreciate that you're vulnerable and you are, okay by sharing it which also makes you a lot human you know which you says guys i'm effed you know like 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 which is you know which is a nice way it's not a cry for help it's just sharing out and it's just showing that you're we are all fucking humans at the end of the day so how's the business been have you recovered that and are you a solo founder or how how i know amnon works with you our dear friend common Oh, I love uh, Amnon is one of our top architects. He's just amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, scary. It, it, absolutely terrifying. And thank you so much for seeing it that way as well, because um, others haven't. But um, yeah, it, terrifying them. time to start a business. Yeah, fuck them. But um, you know, it still can get you at a time. I think most business owners are very, especially new founders who've never owned a business before, never run a business before. It's a really scary time. There are things within your personality that you've got to pull out of yourself. And there are things you have to learn. For me, I had never sacked anybody when I first started this job. Never. Now I've unfortunately had to sack a couple. But, you know, for me, that was absolutely terrifying. I couldn't, stand the thought of having those kind of difficult conversations but and sometimes I still do struggle with that because uh, I'm generally quite a democratic person um, a collaborative person Um, but there is I mean yeah you're right it was absolutely terrifying at the beginning and starting off I had to start off as a contractor because right. if you are starting off as a solo founder with no with no money behind you other than what you've got in your savings, perhaps, you know, my first instinct kicked in, which was find work. So I, I was very fortunate enough to um, to get some work from um, a colleague, a friend from through the Ladies Be Architects Network, um, who had her own business, was short of resource and offered me some work. And that was my ticket out of full time paid work. It wasn't um, the easiest time. Um, the work wasn't always the best. But what I did enjoy doing was sitting there and brainstorming with other Salesforce professionals if they had a problem they needed to solve or a solution to solve, uh, to to create. Um, And even if there were behavioral things getting in the way, just being able to provide that kind of coaching and say, do you know what? It's okay to tell this customer that they're acting like a dickhead. Just don't tell them in that in that way. (laughs) But um it's your job that's what they're paying you for is to actually say to them you are heading for the wall this is why you're heading for the wall this is the risk that you're taking if you did this slightly differently it would have these pros these cons and these considerations so I took that as the blueprint for the service that we offer which is around you know making sure that customers are aware of risk that they know how to manage that risk and if they can't manage it themselves, actually helping them to manage it them, um, for them. Right. 
So business has been good now. Like, are you now guys in the green? Is it going well? <laughs> We've definitely grown in revenue for sure. Um, and certainly, as, as I mentioned earlier, we started the business with no, with, we weren't even really bootstrapping because I can't really go and ask my friends and family for money. Um, we had a little bit of funding from um, through a, um, a NatWest um, Women's Entrepreneur Programme, um, which was absolutely wonderful. That helped us to get some marketing out there. Um but then starting the business in the pandemic, I started in 2020 thinking, um, so, you know, I feel confident by the time London's calling starts, by the time World Tour is on, we can get out there to the conferences. Our presence will be felt. We'll be able to get in front of the AEs. Nah. Yeah, yeah, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same shit. Same shit. High five to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened to me too. Yeah. And then so so I, I remember saying to Siobhan, one of our other architects at the time, I said, this is an opportunity, you know, for everybody. Um, but I actually underestimated the public's um, lack of digital awareness or, or, or rather, let me rephrase that. I overestimated the public's digital awareness. I didn't realize that the whole country would basically stop for three months while people figured out how Zoom worked. You know, someone who's been yeah, working yeah, on yeah. Zoom for the yeah. last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I think Salesforce is hosting their webinars on Zoom for quite a while. I don't remember, since Sandeep Bhanot used to work, I remember in 2012, like watching first of the Salesforce webinars. Like that's also when I came to ecosystem. Nice. So, but you are the sole owner of, uh, 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 sorry, uh, the Architect Club or is it like, do you? Sh- yes. So, yeah. So, so I founded it uh, 2019. Um, and then I did make a couple of changes because um, just as, as if my life isn't interesting enough, um, two years into this journey, my cancer came back. Hooray! So now I am and, and have been for the last year, have been trying to juggle this with that and with Molly as well. So it's been really, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only entrepreneur that's had these challenges, um, but, you know, you're going from a scary situation into an even scarier situation. So I feel like um, I, I don't have an issue kind of sharing the vulnerability that goes with that because, again, it's terrifying. Being told that you are not going to make old bones is never nice regardless of the situation. But then if this business is the only thing that pays your bills and keeps keeps this house standing, it's added pressure. And, you know, I'll I'll be honest, um, all of last year, 2021, was not good for my mental health. It was my mental health took a real nosedive last year, serious anxiety, depression. Um, Thankfully, I've been dosed up with all kinds of nice little sweeties from the doctors. So, uh, so yeah, um, feeling a lot better, a lot more able to handle things. But um, yeah, that was an important lesson to learn was to actually try and reach out for help and put myself first. I remember I remember you asking what one person can do and I also shared Headspace. So I also suffered from um, um, some kind of mild depression, but I had daddy issues a few years ago <laughs> and, and <laughs> I had to deal with that. <laughs> and and um, I also learned later that boys or men can also have daddy issues. But yeah, that's a conversation all different together so yeah that was so i remember that but i just must say that you are a fighter and um you should just keep fighting and just live just live the day as it's your last mate and then just go for it and you know and if it comes it comes like that's how i try to try to see it just go all guns blazing that's how i would I would, maybe that's stupid, but you know, that's how I would live it. And I would be like, but of course you're a mother, I'm single. I don't have pretty much no responsibility, you know? And um, yeah. um, So kudos to you for also for sharing that. And maybe you can just ship some of the sweeties because I miss them. No, I don't, (laughs) but there are some fun stuff that the (laughs) doctors give you, but um, let's come to the other part of uh, the other um, um, the other most important part that you share in your talks and you're vocal about, which is the low number of female architects in the ecosystem. And I'm still sure it's less than 10%. I don't know it on top of my head, but I can vouch that it's less than 10%. So how did you come up with Ladies Be Architect? And what do you think is the reason for this gap? I think there has to be some acceptance that you can't make people do anything. You can only lead them there. So 
I think, and I think it's perfectly acceptable to say that actually, um, it's perfectly okay if you're if you're if you're just not interested in tech, you know. Um, but I also think that the the marketing. I mean, I have a little theory around this. The marketing of computing in the eighties um, is is actually bears more of a responsibility for this than people let on. Um, if you consider that the first computer program was written by Ada Lovelace, the daughter of Lord Byron, a woman, the man built the machine, she built how to make it work. Um, and then during, if you think about Bletchley Park, I live really close to Bletchley Park. It's about a 15 minute drive from here. Um, a lot of the women um, who worked there were working in codes and ciphers. And it was traditionally because a lot of the, a lot of women typically were typists in the 40s and 50s. So they naturally fell into those roles. Then all of a sudden, with the advent of the personal computer, you've got IBM and Apple releasing desktop machines. Where do we market those? Well, we don't put them next to the dolls, do we? Who's going to buy them if we put them next to the dolls in the shop? So I actually believe that there's been a big shift in that because in, in, in that in women in computing, largely down to the marketing um, tactics of a few very small, uh, very, very few large tech giants in the 1980s. Um, with architects, I think a lot of it was around um, and uh, was around lack of clarity around what the art, role of the Salesforce architect actually is. And traditionally, throughout my career, if you haven't been a consultant, an admin or a developer, how do you describe a delivery lead? Somebody who's been doing that for a while. Are they a consultant? Are they a super senior consultant? Are they a super senior developer, etc.? What you tended to have was technical architects existed, but there was not really this concept of a solution architect. I see the architect role as being a role that we that we aspire to an experienced role in leadership where actually our role is not only to perform our jobs in designing applications and how they're used, but also in coaching and developing the next generation of talent that's going to come up after us and being a trusted source of advice and recommendation, even down to things like how long should this take to do? Right. So at least 10 years of experience. Would you say that? So to be yes. an architect, you yeah, should yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about? So I, I have this, I have, so I, I was not doing the architect certifications because I call myself a developer. Like I, I didn't add architect in front of my title. And I have had this debate with a lot of people because I was like, I'm not certified. So I'm not going to call myself an architect. So I, I was just calling myself a developer. Then Salesforce came, this project came, they were paying me good money to be an architect. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do, go ahead and do the architect certifications. But today there are so many of these fucking Tom, Dick and Harry's with five years of experience yeah. or three years of experience. And they're like application certified and this certified and they're like technical architects. And I'm like, no, dude, you're not. And especially they're if you not. just worked at one company, if you just worked on one org or maybe two, and that was also in-house role, there is no fucking chance to use an architect like you have not dealt with customers you have not dealt with hard customers so you cannot be an architect so yeah what's your take on people calling themselves technical architects these is like if you go to linkedin and just say salesforce technical architect looking for someone uh, jesus i don't know how many people how hundred yeah. thousands well, it starts by stripping it back and saying, "What what is the what is the meaning of the word architect? If you build a right. house, there's bricklaying to do, there's plumbing to do, there's electricity to do, there's the Wi-Fi, there's windows. Yeah. You know, you're you're pulling together multiple component parts to make one whole. And yes, as an architect, you may not have done a plumbing course. Um, you may not have learnt to um, to wire houses for electricity, but that's why you hire an electrician, and that's why you hire a plumber to help you with these things. But you have to know enough to know that if you put a light um, or if you put a plug socket next to a sink in a bathroom, there's a risk. I know in Germany it's different, but in the UK you're not allowed to do that. Um, but there's a risk that someone could be electrocuted. You know, that's a simple common sense. Way to think about it having a bunch of certifications 
I have I have eight I have eighteen certs now, and I still don't think I there's still plenty of times when I have to go and find out or check or read, you know what's out there and what what is the current best practice because it changes all the time three releases a year, and I've worked with some amazing architects who can pull together an entire solution people. Salesforce solution, integrations, identity and access management, and change management, they can pull all of those things together in one and make exceptional architects and have no certifications whatsoever. Because one, they're often too busy. Who has bloody time in this day and age? If you're billable all the time, especially if you work for an SI partner, when are they going to sign you off going hitting the bench if, especially if you're a really good architect, you're going to be constantly utilized, constantly billable. So, and if you've got a kid and a family and a life, unless you actually spend all your weekends studying, how the hell are you going to have time to get certified? But on the other side, to your point, Anker, you know, the, I, a CV crossed my desk a few weeks ago with five years' experience, and my colleague was like, oh, they're like a good architect. I was like, no, no way and never. They have not got enough experience. This this CV has got more embellishments on it than I've seen in a very long time. So yeah, great developer. Just need he, he just needs to do a few more years. <laughs> when it comes to bringing in staff for the architect club, what can happen is you end up with a lot of contractors because these people are very very senior, very um, experienced, and you know because their skills are in demand. What's the best way to make a bunch of money out of it? Go contracting. So we end up with a lot of contractors and um, and, pe- and these people are less likely to go permanent. So that does present kind of a cost risk. But part of yeah. the Architect Club's USP is that we do not entertain. We don't take on people unless they are already at that level or they're very close to that level and we want to bring them to that level for a bit of project work and support and being around other architects. Right. I don't even know if I'm not a system or application architect certified. So I can tell you, I have 10 plus years of experience and I have four certification and I just became an application architect last year because I wanted to write architect in front of my title so I can justify the price. That was like, that was it. Like, like, it's not that I don't aspire to be an architect. Like I'm doing currently, I'm doing all the tasks of an architect, but the other reason is also the same. I, I, I don't have kids and I don't have family, but I love my life outside work a lot. I love going out with my girlfriend and walking. I love going dancing with her. I love meeting my friends and playing Frisbee and, Uh, you know, just spending the day in the park rather than sitting in front of a laptop. Nothing against it. Please, if anybody's on their journey to CTA, each to his own, go for it, you know, but that is not my calling right now. My, I am in a very, as you said, in a very, and I'm not working as an SI partner, but I'm a freelancer or a contractor and my time is billable. So I can decide when I want to work and when I don't want to work. And my free time that I have is I want to pursue music. I want to be have one life. I want to pursue music. I want to write something. I want to. I want to spend like right now. I'm in India spending time with my brother. You know, I can take three projects right now if I want to, and I can make thirty thousand pounds or more a month. But when do I have the fucking time to spend it? Like, what all this money is good if I cannot spend it? So, I'm working on this article uh, with uh, Salesforce Ben. I don't know if I should say this or Lucy will hate me, but anyways, I'm, I'm, it's titled "With the Real Technical Architect." Will the real Salesforce Technical Architect please stand up? And then I'm just gonna <gasps> like. It's, <laughs> so it's it's just like my love letter to all these technical architects, you know, and 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 all of that. But um, yeah, but I think being a CTA is um, is very. It's it's like something a lot of people prosper to, like Johan our famous German CTA has almost cracked it <laughs> in the best way. And, but I also think, um, I think if I, I recently read the marketing from Salesforce and this is, I want your opinion on this. I think Salesforce is going towards like in five or seven years, I don't see a Salesforce admin or a consultant or a developer. It's morely, you know, you know, they're trying to move everything to flows and automation and it's like very less devy and kind of more, you know, everything could be automated kind of point and click. And there will be just one job role, which which will either be an analyst or maybe two, where you know how to translate those business requirements into technical terms so your tech team can take care of it. 
or you are an architect uh, and then you are, I don't know if it's an admin or consultant or an architect who can then implement those into like implement those technical things. And if you can do the whole thing, which is what I do right now, like I'm a one-stop shop. You pay me money, I'm your bitch. I'm your admin, I'm your consultant, I'm your trainer. I'll do documentation, I'll do your development. And I directly work with one customer. So, you know, it's a very monogamous relationship. That's because you're an architect. An architect has to be able to work at all of those levels. You have to be able to see the big picture. And I'm really pleased to hear that you're writing this article with Lucy. We wrote one last year about different types of architects because we recognized as well with that's more for the enterprise scenario where you've got um, Salesforce selling into household names. So the projects are becoming a lot more complex. You've got more and more elements. Salesforce is going nuts on selling multi-cloud solutions. And, and you know, for those of us who don't work at Salesforce, we know multi-cloud solutions, nothing new. We were doing it 10 years ago with software that wasn't built by built or bought by Salesforce. So, you know, it is literally nothing new. We're just put we're just tying stuff together and sometimes with duct tape. But, um, you know, we, we, I'm actually really pleased to hear that the development onus is reducing because I've in, certainly in the last two years, I've seen far too, too many bad, dirty habits from customers, customers buying Salesforce and saying, right, I'm going to get four developers in to come and code the shit out of this thing. So then what happens in three, four years time, they're phoning up needing an architect because the, the systems become legacy. They've had 16 different development teams working on it, plus another outsourced development house in India or South Africa or, you know, insert name of cheap labor country here. And, and that's not meant to, to I'm sorry if anybody's offended by that, but unfortunately it does happen a lot in business. Some, com some countries are much cheaper to buy from um, and, and buy services from and products from. So, um, so that's a habit that's been going on for sort of the last 10 years, but it does present its own challenges for everybody because, you know, you, you, you're, you're juggling multiple different mindsets and trying to be respectful and mindful of everybody's cultures. And, you know, all the while you've got more and more complexity and the Salesforce AE is coming to meet your customer without you knowing that they're there because they're pitching marketing cloud. And actually you've never, ever, you'd had no idea that the customer was even thinking about marketing cloud. So you've got all these challenges that are produced by people. And Ankit, in your role, being being the one-stop shop and being, you know, hey, I'll pay you to be my bitch if you want. Um, <laughs> but being the one-stop shop is an important job. It's it's an essential job because somebody needs to sit here and pull all this stuff together and make sense of it. And it's not going to be the customer. Hello everyone, I hope you're enjoying the episode. I'm just going to take a few seconds of your time to tell you about my Salesforce freelancing course. So Salesforce freelancing market is pretty hot right now. And if you have ever been thinking about taking that plunge, then now is the right time. And to help you get started, I have created the freelancing course together with Salesforce Ben. In this course, I talk about how to get started, what are the do's and don'ts, what are the different responsibilities of different profiles. See, I've worked as a developer, as an analyst and an architect, so I can tell you what are the requirements of being these kinds of freelancers. Apart from that, we also talk about how to negotiate with customers, how to decide your daily rate, which is very important, and how to solve problems. So if you face, let's say, a customer who's not paying, or if you face a project which you don't know how to solve, we also covered those parts. So head out to courses.salesforceben.com and check out my course. You can see my course over there. And if you use the code FP10, you also get a discount. So it's courses.salesforceben.com. Thank you. And now enjoy the episode. Yeah. No. So you are absolutely right about Salesforce selling this multi-cloud. I mean, I have, I had had a client and they were not even started to use sales cloud. And I don't know what kind of drug these AEs have and this sold service cloud experience, community, marketing. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, just get your sales cloud. Just first get the yeah. base thing. Yeah. Yeah. And no, no, we are getting a discount. And I'm like, ah, oh, discount. The You're other thing is sales license. <laughs> You're not getting a discount at all. You're just deferring your you're just deferring all the money you're about to spend to next year. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I work as one-stop shop because I work with big consulting shops before and I won't take names. And again, as you said, it was about billable hours. So my one reason was I finished my work at 4 p.m. and I was like, hey, I'm leaving. And then they were like, uh, no, uh, you have to stay here till six. And I was like, but the task is done. So I, I'm not billing you for six hours. So why are you billing the client? So then I realized that, okay, this business works a little differently. And the second thing is, um, as you said, you know, there are some dickheads and they're hitting towards the wall and you're like telling them, but now they've sold it to the customer and then it breaks and then everything explodes and then starts a blame game. I'm very thankful to my first, he was my first boss and he said, whatever is not documented is not done. So anytime that I see this situation where even now, and it, this has helped me a lot in my life, anytime I'm hit, I'm seeing that we're going towards a downfall, I send an email with my thoughts on it. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody reads it. But later when things explode, then I'm like, just go back to my email from four weeks ago when I mentioned everything, what, what is going wrong. And then they're like, oh, well, can you help me now? So I started doing one-stop shop because I was like, I, if things go bad, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for that. And if things go good, I am responsible for that. And as this, I have, you can call me a little bit like control freak. My girlfriend also calls me that. No. <laughs> and and um, this way, this way I have the whole control over the whole thing. So last question, and then we wrap this at uh, architect part. So I think in order to be an architect, you need to have had all that level of, you know, you, you need to have played at all of those levels. Like, for example, if you want to be a football manager, like if you want to be a manager of a football club, like, you know, Manchester United or City or Liverpool, you need to have been a player to understand what the game is or how the player thinks. And then you can, you know, go up those ranks. Same way as an architect, I believe you need to have been an admin developer consultant any at least combination of two of them not one at least any combination of two the best is all three so what are your thoughts on that i couldn't agree more uh, just taking amnon as an example he has done all three and amnon has swept into our customers and absolutely blown their socks off uh, because he is he has that natural ability to do all three of those uh, people like yourself and amnon are pretty rare um so what that means is you are in a really great position financially because or you would be because you you know you you have there's justification in putting your price up for sure and the same with marketing cloud like marketing cloud all rounders are like hen's teeth so um it's it, it's really important to stay on top of what the trends are in the industry as well because in 10 years time that could change as you know because well so because a lot of us, uh, a lot of our working lives are unfortunately governed by whatever strategy Salesforce seems to pick year in, year out. Right. But this is, I mean, if when you are in the IT industry, I think I was speaking to Don Robbins. Uh, yeah, he mentioned like you need to keep reinventing because that guy is like that gentleman. I should not call him guy now. He's like 55 and he's still rolling it in mate he has the best retirement plan ever and i've said this to him i'm like you're just gonna sit in and it's like ka-ching ka-ching watch my course you know so so but you gotta yeah. be inventing so he came in so all of us folks who are now making a course like don robbins is kind of the og of the salesforce courses and also francis pinder you know like these folks started way back you know when when we were like yeah. still tying nappies and stuff you know so so these folks started then yeah and with Francis as well, it helps. It helps. Francis has a wonderful television voice, which always helps. <laughs> and also the camera and also the placement. Well, I'm looking forward to meet them um, uh, uh, in London's calling uh, this year. I hope I can make it. I still have to submit. It, well, when this episode is out, the deadline would be. Yeah, I really hope you can make it. I'd love to go for a beer with you. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um yeah, and then there's your dreaming the next weekend. So for whoever is listening, there's London's Calling on 10th of June in London. And then there's your dreaming on 17th of June in Amsterdam. Don't miss out on any of those great events. I will go to both of them because they are so good. And there's also Dream Ole on 22nd. And there is Czech Dreaming in May. I think it's 17 May. Sorry, Martin, if I get it wrong, please don't kill me for that. But there's so many dreaming events, I cannot remember all the dates. But um, slowly, we are coming to the end, and now I want to get more. So what's what's been, I mean, we touched a little bit on the challenges. What's been your challenge? What's What, what have been the challenges of starting a Salesforce business? I mean, 
also during the pandemic and how did you overcome them? I'm still overcoming it. Um, the biggest challenges that we've had getting work um, because um, and actually one of the biggest things that I find one of the biggest frustrations that I see is how much work is is apparently out there for us apparently four times more work for us as partners than there is for Salesforce as we're reminded in every single EMEA alliances meeting and you know frankly I've been getting fed up of those meetings it feels like propaganda I'm getting tired of hearing about all this work that's out there and then not seeing any of it coming through. Um, we have a goal which is called grow or engage, which is an ACV target. As a partner, we have to have our name against, I think, a million dollars worth of ACV revenue. Um, uh, sorry, annual contract value revenue for Salesforce. So this is how much the customers are buying in subscriptions and licenses from Salesforce. Because, of course, we get a say in that. You know, that's something that we can really influence. I'm being very sarcastic here. Um, yeah, I know. And it's so hard to break through. There's so much noise around the AEs um, and the account executives at Salesforce it, that you've, you've basically, your job becomes schmoozing people. And that's not what I like doing at all. I'd rather pay someone else to schmooze people. I don't feel justified in spending thousands of pounds to get people drunk and take them out for a meal in order to get business. It feels really wrong. Um, if you want to cut this bit, by all means do. But this is what I mean by being candid now. This is the hardest part of this journey has been tapping yeah. into this work that is apparently sit that is apparently sitting within the Salesforce um, organization. What we do see instead is stories from the GSIs, the global strategic integrators, the IBMs and Deloitte's and Accentures of the world, of all these massive projects that they're working on. But then behind the scenes, we're hearing how hard it is for them to get resource. So what I'm seeing in the market a lot at the moment is a lot of a lot of consultancies and small small businesses springing up, but having to white label, having to do work on behalf of other partners in order to keep the lights on for their businesses, but also to get experience and stories that they need. However, the challenge is with the program itself, you can't get the recognition for doing that work because it's not your customer. It's someone else's customer. But you might have supplied 40 percent of the resource for that project. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm also very against the Salesforce, like it was bronze, silver and gold. So I raised the concern with Salesforce and I said, why is not there uh, uh, a different um, plan for freelancers? Like I as a freelancer will never be. I also want to be a registered partner. I am bringing value to the ecosystem. I'm going to your customer. I'm helping them. I am basically cleaning all the fucking shit that all your consulting companies are doing and then making them happy and pacifying. So why is not there a silver bronze partner program for freelancers? And why is like, I'm also okay paying this thousand euros fees, but I also want, I cannot reach the hours or the revenue that you're asking. And I have, trust me, I've brought two customers. I know that as partners, you also get kickback. If you bring in a lead to the Salesforce, I have brought two customers to Salesforce, I, but I have no portal to register it. So it's just in good faith. You only get kickback you are outside of the US and the UK. If you're US and UK and you bring Salesforce lead, you don't get any kickback. Oh, sorry for you folks. Well, in Germany, you do get, I mean, my, my friends at SI partners do get. So, so holy shit, that's bad. That's, yeah. That's so, so actually what you see is a program that people join because they feel they have to in order to get work. Yeah. And then when they become a partner, they don't get work. They still have to spend loads of money on marketing. The sponsorship fee for World Tour this year was insane for uh, what would normally be for 10% of what would normally be the footfall for World Tour. And the price was still the same as if it is a full event. So. Right. Um, also talking about, so uh, over the course of this podcast, what I also learned from a lot of consulting folks or actually number two, Mr. the famous Mr. Shell Black. And I asked him, what's your job responsibility right now? And he said, honestly, what I just do right now is I'm just maintaining the relationship with AEs. So you will find me on Monday in New York managing this AE. Then on Tuesday, I'm somewhere in the middle, uh, sorry, in the middle. And then I'm managing that Salesforce office. And then I'm in Chicago Salesforce office and I'm in San Francisco. And I am just maintaining our relationship with these AEs. So what you're saying is actually right, where they say there's so much work in the ecosystem, but most of, I would say 80% of the work is 
driven through Salesforce or through your AE, and you're basically at your AE's mercy, to say the least. I mean, what you call schmoozing, like they can say, oh, this one or that one. So I don't know how that works. But what would be your advice to budding forcepreneurs? And would you say, like I say, don't start a Salesforce consulting shop. I also think soon there will be a lot of consolidation in that market. You know, like I think there will be a lot of consolidation in that market. Um, but what would be your advice to budding forcepreneurs? If you've got a dream and a vision and you want to realize it, spend some time working on your value proposition and your business model. Um, when I first started the Architect Club, I put up some flip charts in my kitchen and I sat with a friend and we went through and we built the value proposition canvas. And if you don't know how to do that, you can find templates online. Um, but it really gets you thinking about what's going on front front stage and therefore what is the service you're positioning and how are you going to keep it going backstage? And that was really fundamental for me because then I had crystallized my vision. My vision was to, first of all, create a home for Salesforce architects, create a touchstone for Salesforce partners because I decided straight away that I didn't want to compete with other Salesforce partners. I wanted to help other Salesforce partners. So that collaboration piece was, was, was really important to shape that out. I wanted it to go beyond doing white label and subcontract work. I wanted it to go as, let's do this together. I will help you scope this project. I will help you scope a whole roadmap um, with several projects so that you you can forecast your business's revenue for the next year. You know, I will help you bring your service to market, all of those things. But then on the other side of it as well was actually thinking about, okay, what is the earning potential and what countries um, do I want to focus on? Are there any specific products or specialisms or industries that I want to focus on? And that's what Salesforce was telling me to do was which which verticals, which verticals. And I was like, you're not getting it. This is about helping. This is a different kind of service. This is about creating success. This is basically CSG as a service, if you like. This is this is actually trying to do the right thing for customers. So you can do that across all verticals, but that does not compute with the Salesforce machine. The Salesforce machine needs you to specialize in a product. It needs you to specialize in an industry because it is so big now, so vast that in order to get exposure to the AEs that you need and to build those relationships with the AEs that Shell was talking about, how it's a full-time job building those relationships and keeping them going, in order for them to help you as a partner, they have to map you to what is going on in the Salesforce machine. And if you're providing consultancy specialized in that way, in a way that Salesforce can compute, as Salesforce as a business can compute, then you're in really good, you're in really good shape. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, also, Shell also mentioned that there's so much churn rate. Um, um, and that's why he also has to yeah. do it because because AEs also keep changing like every six months to a year where, where they're not fixed with a customer. Right. So uh, what are your predictions for the Salesforce market in the five upcoming five? I mean, I know you're someone who's also very in and, you know, uh, who's also very opinionated. So I want to know what are your predictions considering the job and the business market, like like not in terms of technology, if they're writing Slack or Microsoft or whatever, but from the job. From the job itself, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that there is such a high demand for architects. And I'm also very proud of the fact that there's a high demand for people to become architects. Ladies Be Architects was always about bringing communities together to learn and study and to develop their skills into becoming delivery leaders. And I'm very proud to see that that, has, that demand has been created and that Salesforce is now responding to it with the Architects Keynote, with the Architects Success Programme, with all of those things that they're bringing together to make our jobs easier. Really proud of that. Um, I think in five, 10 years time, we will still see more of the same, more, more people calling themselves architects who really aren't. But that's where people like you and I, Ankit, we can put more articles out there, um, try to clarify, work with Salesforce to uh, make the to make the message a bit clearer um, or not, <laughs> depending on what you are trying to put across. But um, I think we will see we will see much more a much a much clearer career path with the associated artifacts, with the associated study materials. And I think that 
hopefully, and what I'm really hoping to see over the next few years is that universities start to respond to that as well. Because as far as I can see, universities are still teaching SQL. They're still teaching you what go, what goes inside a cable if you study IT. And they're still teaching you that Oracle, SAP and Microsoft are the tools that you need to learn in order to get a job. I want to see Salesforce on the curriculum at universities in IT. And I want to see Salesforce and business applications, software as a service on the curriculum for A-level and, IT, A-level and GCSE IT and the associated equivalents. Uh, I, I think the whole education system needs to change. I think I personally think our school systems are based just on throwing knowledge, and then you need to recall and write it down. I think they should teach meditation in school. I think they should teach arts in school. So how to creatively express yourself. I mean, until grade five, you should know reading, writing, writing, and numbers. So you should get meditation. You should get art and how to take care of your body and nutrition. All these five things, if you give these four skills to anybody in the world, and then you're like, now you have these skills and now you can be whoever you want to be. You want to be an artist. You want to be a plumber. There's artistry to plumbing too. Like when I'm writing code, it is artistry to me, how it is indented, how is the naming? Like I'm very particular about it. So if you teach these, so I think the school systems around the whole world are fucked. So that's a totally different uh, topic of discussion. But um, I, I am bursting to say one thing. Um, one of one of our board advisors is is Mr. Eric Berridge. Um, he actually um, sold Blue Wolf to IBM, and he's now working as an EVP at Salesforce. Um, and one of the things that he he did a very he did a rather famous TED talk about how uh, why tech needs the humanities. And he was talking about people skills. He was talking about critical thinking. He was talking about empathy. He was talking about all those things that you need as a consultant in order to drive value for clients. And he still talks about it. And for me, that's quite an inspiration because it's, as you just as you just pointed out, you do need to know arts. You need to know um, the history of our world. You need to know how society functions. But equally as well, I think we need to all be taught in schools how to manage our finances better. That's something else we need to do. And health and nutrition. Yeah, health and nutrition, exactly. It's something that just gets, I think we're all just taught to pass exams. We need to stop learning to pass exams and actually learn to live. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we should start a new school. Well, anyways, it has been really, really fun talking to you. Um, I So because we are already about time, I'll skip some of the last questions. So do you have any closing notes, Gemma? Closing notes. Um so the great thing is um, about having the architect club, having ladies be architects, is that there are people who, they're, they're very much a team effort. It's not all run by me. Um, so in terms of a legacy, um, I'm very proud of the fact that I'm able to leave that behind for Molly. Um, Molly will be able to make her own choices. If she wants to, she can get involved in the ecosystem. If she doesn't, that's also okay. But at least she understands why her mum did all this stuff, why her mum worked towards the architect stuff because there was a passion um and a a real desire to to push and make things and and drive change in the ecosystem so i'm very proud of that right well i'm sure molly would know her mom was a crazy cat woman but no i'm kidding no no well uh uh, Gemma, it was really, really lovely talking to you. I wanted to get you on for so long and we finally got managed to do it. I think you're doing something really fantastic with the Architect Club and Ladies Be Architect. Now, before we let you go, Gemma, I just have a quick rapid fire round for you so that we can get a little bit more in your skin. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Tea or coffee? Tea. I'm British. Windows or Mac? Definitely Mac. GUI or CLI? GUI. First thing you install on a new machine? Sims 4. Programming language you want to learn? English. First web page? Oh my god! I made a little website when I was about 16 on Fortune City. Do you remember that? My god. Nice. Favorite beverage? Tea. Gordon Ramsay or Jamie Oliver? Gordon Ramsay. Beef Wellington or Shepherd's Pie? Beef Wellington. Fish and chips or toad in the hole? Fish and chips. Benedict Cumberbatch or James McAvoy? (gasps) Oh, you evil, evil thing. 
do you know I do you know how much I love James McAvoy me and Melinda Smith are going to see him on stage in London in two days time and I am like a child at Christmas I want to sit near the front so he can spit all over me <laughs> right so no Benedict no well he's lovely too but definitely I like I like the rugged smoker type good Scotsman yeah. <laughs> so favorite dreaming event oh my favorite dreaming event um definitely you're dreaming okay um when i visit london which pub should i go to there's a really old one near wapping where which actually used to be right next to the gallows and all the mudlarkers go there a lot um because you can find old bits of history that the thames washes up on the shoreline every day um i don't know what it's called but i will google it for you but it's apparently a really old pub if you had a time machine, would you like to travel in the past or in the future? Past. Which city do you like to travel to for business? San Francisco. What's the most crazy thing that you have seen in an org? Or the worst thing that you've seen in an org? <laughs> Apart from some of the, the users' names, which are just amazing. Um, oh, I have seen... Oh, I've seen a workflow rule called Workflow. <laughs> okay, that can be a t-shirt. Uh, shout out to our yeah. friends at Shirtforce. Uh, what's the best thing that you have seen? Uh, what's the best thing you have seen in an org? Do you know what? This might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm a massive fan of Financial Force PSA. It's a huge application. But my favorite thing that I've seen in, a, in an org is the roll-ups that you get. When you add a timesheet and how it rolls the cost and the revenue up to a project and then up to the region practice group and all the way up the hierarchy, that's my favorite thing. That I've, that's a fantastic bit of code. And it's never been really changed because it's so efficient, so. Right, best Dreamforce and why? 2016, um, I was in the Tony Robbins keynote in the audience and um, he said something about, he was talking about resourcefulness and this was, um, I mean, during my first lot of cancer, I was in hospital having had chemotherapy and was very sick at the time. And I said, Gemma, when you get out of here, you're gonna go to Dreamforce. So I went to Dreamforce 2016 and heard Tony Robbins talking about being resourceful. Just because you think you haven't got enough time, how do you know you haven't got enough time, resource, money, friends, etc.? Get off your ass and go and get them. And that was something that really resonated Tony Robbins is a badass. I listen to him too. Nice. Last question. Can Apple be dethroned? Yes, but it's going to take something really special, I think. And we won't, it won't happen yet. It will happen in a good while. Right. Thank you, Gemma. That was your time. It was really, really lovely talking to you. I wish you all the love and success and good health. And I hope to see you in London. And you. Thank you for having me. That's it for now, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this conversation, then you can also check out other episodes if you haven't done that already. If you have suggestions for a guest or a series, then please let me know and I would be more than happy to incorporate that. Please leave us a review on iTunes and share the podcast on your social media channels. Remember, sharing is caring. This is your host Ankit signing out. Bye-bye.